0: corner <laughs> when i'm not presenting listening in and listen in. hey everybody welcome to bash university live here on tuesday night take a quick break watch john cruises on the tokyo rig
1: be a part of the show get some chances to win some awesome prizes fast you go
2: you know we didn't have that
1: back then it, 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 it
3: gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dying.
0: Studio. What a cool, cool guest we've got tonight. Uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch it, but if you haven't, you got to go back and, and see the replays. But Bassmaster Elites were on. Santee Cooper, one of my favorite lakes in the world. It's so cool, so full of big fish. And guess you guessed it, we've got Drew Cook on, Bass University Live tonight. Really excited, excited for him. It's his first Elite win. It was it was just so cool, um, and you guys don't know this. Even the Bass University family uh, doesn't know this unless you were on our, our our Zoom feed when we had them. Um, you know, in, in studio filming, but we filmed uh, just an eye opening, earth shattering, <laughs> sight fishing demo with uh, with Drew Cook, and he went. And he, and he took all those lessons and put them to work on Santee Cooper. But guess what? That seminar is dropping on Thursday on TV. So uh, can't wait to talk to him. Guys, get yourself subscribed because you're not going to want to miss that. If you're like me, uh, if you have struggled uh, to be consistent when it comes to bed fishing, if you're lo- you know, lose confidence when the fish are turning away and you can't figure it out, this is must-see TV because uh, Drew Cook and his buddies, roommate Drew Benton, have figured some things out. Honestly, that I have not heard before, and I've I've interviewed the best of the best. I've watched the best of the best from Grigsby on down the line, who are notorious, uh, excellent sight fishermen, and uh, what these boys are doing with the double Drews are up to is sneak (laughs) and it's going to be fun to have him on the show tonight uh raise how about it you were in the room when when drew gave that seminar uh just a couple months ago man it's eye-opening
1: yeah it 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 really was pete that was uh that was our second set this year of the uh the, the virtual zooms and man i tell you when when he got going on that seminar it was like just you could not turn away from it because the entire seminar from beginning to end was just, it was groundbreaking type of stuff. Like the way that he approaches and thinks um, about the bed fishing strategies is so next level and so beyond. And I mean, you know, most of these guys out on tour uh, they're, they're they're next level at one thing or another. And it's clear that, that this is drew cook's wheelhouse as he just showed this week on santee cooper i mean you know a lot of people say that uh you can't you can't win a four-day tournament just just bed fishing just sight fishing and uh well in some cases that may be true i mean drew cook absolutely put on a clinic out there uh on santee this past week so you know super stoked to have him on and uh can't wait to hear some of the some of the little little details on on how it went down this week pete i know you caught some of the live uh so i'll be i'll be interested to hear about some of those fish catches that he had especially on the final day what a clutch clutch fish catch
0: oh man we're gonna talk about it i mean if you stood at it if you watched it it stopped you in your tracks i mean uh and you know it's so hard to catch that fish when you really need it and he did it and 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 I can't wait to have him on. And we're gonna—he's gonna be open for questions, obviously, for all the Bashu crew. And uh, it's gonna be awesome. Alex, do you have you uh have you spent any time looking at him? Do you like to fish that way?
3: I have done it before, Pete. It is pretty fun. I, I like it. You know, when the water's clear and you can see him a lot easier. You have to sit up there squinting, but it is pretty fun. <laughs> There's definitely still a lot to learn about it. I'm excited to listen to Drew's seminar on Thursday when it comes out, and definitely hear what he has to say here tonight because I'm sure he's gonna bring some more those are good tips for us
0: well i know uh we've we commented last week that your video doesn't really depict it but you are tall and, <laughs> and that that's an, that's a distinct advantage when you're looking at them uh you know having that extra height man it's uh it really helps you see a little extra through the water even though it looks like you're only uh you know five foot even on this screen
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, that that definitely helps. I mean, I'm sure, that, you know, you saw watching live, people would stand up on top of their graphs. They were talking about how, I think it was Okeechobee, Scott Martin tried to bring like a ladder or a stepladder out. And they told him that, nope, that's not allowed. And I guess that wasn't allowed because back in the day, his dad tried to bring out like a stepladder or something to get up a little higher. And he was the one that created the no ladder rule for Bassmaster. So there's, at least in my tournament, trials, there's no rule against that. So I'm, I always got a bucket or something in the boat to help me Get a couple extra inches because it does make a, a big difference.
0: What about
1: standing on the outboard? Are you allowed to stand on the outboard?
0: My to my understanding, you can. You're you're able. You can't bring a uh, plat platform of any kind other than what your what is built into your boat. So the answer to this short answer to that is I believe is yes. Yeah. And here's the deal that that Roland Martin thing happened, and I remember it like it was yesterday. He had a custom platform uh built for his front deck that was the same size as his front deck and he would he would run to his spot then he would flip it upside down he put he put four pedestals screw them in to the platform flip it over and it brought him up a foot or two feet higher and it wow. and it even had a spot to bring the trolling motor foot pedal up so he could mount his his trolling motor pedal on top of the platform and fish that is awesome and, it, it is awesome. It, it, you know, he took the first 15 minutes a day set up his platform. But Staking one on. one of the other guys
1: catching everybody's two pounders and then taking them home and eating them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's got all the good stories. But uh, the, um, the, uh, Bud Pruitt, uh, is a guy, some of you may know you've been following fishing for a while. Uh, he did something cool with his bass cat. Um, uh, he kind of, I guess his pedestal seat rusted in uh in position you know what i'm talking about so it didn't swivel yeah and and he stood on top of that pedestal seat and uh and sight fish that way to get like man an extra three feet of visibility so uh you know there's there's all kinds of tricks uh but but yes they, 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 i think you're allowed to stand up on your uh on your trolling motor but mm. I watched, uh, watched uh, Drew Cook. Well, of course, he did get a little bit. He, he was standing on his bracket, yep. on his trolling motor. I, I saw a ton of guys doing that.
1: I'll tell you what, Pete. So I've tried to do that before, like just like stand in front of the graphs, kind of up around the trolling motor. And unless you're like really locked in on something, it is impossible to keep your balance. Like when you're – When you're up front and you're like using like secondary platforms and kind of like leaning in weird positions. But I'll tell you what, man, when you see a seven pounder on a bed and I mean, we live in Jersey, so obviously we don't see seven pounders very often. But just say a four or a five pounder on a bed and you kind of step in front of that graph and you got one foot on the head of the trolling motor. When you're looking at a big fish on a bed, you somehow find that extra balance point that you normally don't have like there's like a next there's a next level of balance and like being locked in when you're when you're staring down a seven pounder that in his case is going to win him 100 g's i mean i think everybody could find a little bit of extra balance when they're looking at a hundred dollars a hundred hundred thousand dollar bill sitting on a bed
0: yeah yeah except for me except for me because the (laughs) one the one time that i got caught in a pickle and i was waiting for one of these guys to do it i'm up on my troll motor bracket trying to get over a beaver dam to fish the other side of it yeah and uh i'm throwing over top and uh and i turned around and darn cameras were in the boat with me that day i was having <laughs> a great tournament. but i didn't catch nothing and i was flustered and i turned around lost my balance and stepped into the red river up to my neck oh and, nice and about 50 degree water oh <laughs> no none of the they, those guys were like ballerinas man they stayed set up on that seven pounder just like you said they would step over their sonar units no tripping yeah. i thought for sure somebody was going to face plant you know man.
1: neck deep in the red <laughs> river huh wow
3: yeah yeah Cold. 50 degree water yeah that's the worst part of that
0: right. yeah. yeah it that's was the lord's uh, ice bath yeah you know, i i have fallen in a hydrilla <laughs> bed on lake champlain in the middle of a tournament and um I, 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 I There's got to be more other places That I've fallen in I'll never forget the look Of a hydrilla bed When you're underwater uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> You're like You're so mad at yourself You're underwater You're holding your rod And you're looking up And you see all this beautiful cover And you're like wow That's a pretty cool place For a bass to hang out yeah, wow, but, Look at this you,
1: canopy been Yeah
0: <laughs> But you're so pissed, and you're trying to get your sunglasses and your hat and trying yeah. to get yourself back in the boat, man. But uh it's uh it's not as spooky as maybe falling into a grass bed down in Florida where the gators are. Yeah, you know? for sure. Down in Uvala <laughs> Yep, yeah, no doubt. But uh but hey, we are we are live from Tackle Direct Studios. That's right. We've got the chick Drew Cook on uh, coming on tonight, and we've got a lot of great stuff going on. I want to welcome uh, Bass Boat for Sale, the world's premium bass boat listing business. Um, they We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business, Facebook page, business Instagram, and business YouTube channel. You want to post or sell your boat, Bass Boat for Sale is the way to go. And we love those guys. Thanks for being part of the program. And we've got got a a lot of other great stuff going on tonight. Rich, what do we got happening?
1: Yeah, so as always, uh, we're going to be giving out two Gills Gear uh, gift cards, guys, for questions that we bring in during tonight's show. They're going to be $25 gift cards. Uh, If we ask you for your email, uh, that means you want a gift card. And uh, guys, we're approaching Gills Gear season right now. Um, The weather is starting to warm up. This stuff is legit. Uh, it's called gills because it's literally vented. Um, you know, in the spots that you need your shirts to be vented, um, it's super comfortable. Um, good colors. It's great for layering. Um, I mean, you can you can wear it under a hoodie in the morning and then pop that hoodie off later in the day when it starts to warm up. And this thing's gonna keep you protected from the sun and uh, allow your 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 stinky areas under your arms to breathe a little bit throughout the day so you don't come back home stinking too much um so we got two $25 gills gear gift cards going out the door uh we also have a $50 facebook like and share prize from our awesome sponsors at the bash university uh, if you're watching on facebook tonight just like and share the feed and uh you'll be entered in for a chance to win that and uh also our grand prize tonight is is uh is a pair of Hobie sunglasses, guys. We got some new Hobie sunglasses that are getting launched tonight. Uh, our partners over at Hobie have uh, partnered up with the one and only Mr. Hank Cherry, two-time Bassmaster Classic Champion, and he helped design these sunglasses. Uh, there's two models that you're going to be able to choose from. Love when uh love when I get a notification on the laptop right in the middle of a read. Uh, there's two <laughs> models you can choose from. They are the Bluefin or the Mojo guys. And uh, Hobie, Hobie Hobie Eyewear Hobie sunglasses. If you have not checked them out yet, you really need to. Uh, I mean I've made the switch over to Hobie's now. They're comfortable. They're 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 great lenses and they float. So if you're like me and your sunglasses fall off your head all the time, uh, these Hobies are gonna float for you and uh, you're gonna be able to get them back. So Tonight at the end of the show for a grand prize, we're giving them away uh, some blue fins or some mojos to one of our awesome subscribers. So, that's what we got going on tonight, Pete. And uh, I see Mr. Drew Cook in the waiting room. So, I think we ought to maybe hit our quick commercial spot and then uh, come back to him.
0: Yep. Get your questions ready. If you're not subscribed, of course, you guys all are. Get over there. Get yourself subscribed to TV. We're continuing with our classic promotion. If you haven't done it yet so get on over there, get signed, signed up. You're not going to want to miss Drew cook seminar. And by the way, you're going to love Hank's glasses. Mm. They are awesome. They, uh, the, the blend, the Hank cherry red into, uh, into the frames and they, they just look amazing. So check them out. And, uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back with the champ, the brand new elite series champ drew cook right after this.
1: Aquaview, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun, Aquaview, seeing
0: is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. It is the sensitivity of the rod.
2: That's made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest,
0: lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a
1: tournament. Durability in the John Cruise Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hook set.
0: Boom goes the dynamite. Some would say obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance driven gear. So you can fish longer, harder. Gill's Performance Fishing. And we're back. Welcome back to Bash University Live. Um, so glad that you guys are with us we got so much going on um but we're we are, we are uh, we're a little prideful over here at the Bass University because we uh Whoa. uh one of our own won and it was just amazing and i want to give a shout out to Jk professional fishhead uh for releasing and and getting this content kind of assembled for us because we we're releasing the drew cook site fishing seminar on thursday that's been in the works since before the before the tournament trail was barely released and uh somehow maybe we're good luck i don't know but uh but he went and won the tournament and uh i I see him was so excited so proud to to have you with us man and congratulations the brand new elite champion drew cook how are you man
2: thank you man i I appreciate it you know it still really hasn't hasn't quite sunk in yet but you know literally that whole seminar i did a couple months ago with y'all played out to i mean to a this week so i mean it's going to be a great great thing for y'all whenever y'all release it to see exactly what i'm talking about and how i fish this whole tournament i mean from from practicing for it all the way to actually catching the bass uh It was, it it was just one of those weeks where everything worked out. That was just a a perfect example of, of how I practice for a site fishing event and how I, how I go about fishing for a site fishing event and to win my first one doing that and to break the century club and to win it wire to wire. I mean, just everything to work out like it did. It was, it was an amazing week without a doubt.
0: I gotta say
2: you're looking good next to that blue trophy. I I think
0: I might take it everywhere with me for a little while at least. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't blame you man. I, uh, there were so many uh moments that and I want to talk about them all but uh ha, I mean how are you feeling? I mean I one of my favorite uh moments I think is waking up the next day like when you open your eyes and you're like wait a minute that wasn't a dream that really
2: happened. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I I <laughs> agree with that but you know I kind of had that same deal happen after after day one um you know whenever I woke up day two of the tournament I was like wow you know we are leading this we caught a dirty 30 yesterday yes and we have an eight pound lead (laughs) it was kind of like a pinch me moment so but yeah this morning I woke up and it was it was pretty sweet I'm not gonna lie
0: that that was uh that was a dirty 30 it was a monster bag and you only but you only had like a one one or two pound lead or something small after that that big day one that 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 was shocking because on day two you had 24 pounds and your lead expanded you know but uh, were you shocked yeah. that people were, were so close to you with a 30 pound bag no
2: i uh that's kind of what i was telling my marshal all day um because, you know, I caught them really quick day one. I think by 11 o'clock I had 31, 13. And so I was just looking. And at about 12, 15, 12, 30, I told my marshal, I said, dude, we must be getting our teeth kicked in because we haven't had a Zoom call or Skype. We haven't had a camera <laughs> guy. And there is not one person following us. So obviously somebody's doing something really good somewhere else. So it was kind of just, you know, After I caught the, you know, my five that I weighed in, I spent from 11 to four o'clock just looking. And I actually found two that were, one was a seven eleven that I ended up catching. And one of them was close to an eight pounder that I left on day one. And I had a five and a half that I could have culled. I could have really had a big bag, but it was, you know, it was kind of dumb of me to try to call a few pounds whenever it's seven pounds on the bottom line the next day. So I left them both there. One of them was still there and I caught it. The other one got caught.
0: Um, so it, it, it all worked out either way, man. That's a tough call. It's always like, man, do you burn it down or, or do you leave them? But uh, you know, well, at least you were able to get one of those, man. That, that was, you know, that's a tr- tough decision to make even with 31 pounds. That's a tough decision to make.
1: You think the other one got yeah, caught or, or, or did it just moved off the bed?
2: No, it got caught. It got oh, caught. damn. Okay.
1: 100%. <laughs> that hurts.
2: Yeah, because she was, she was ready to go whenever I left her right before weigh-in. And uh, all somebody had to do was just get it close and she would ate it.
1: Was there much local pressure on the lake last week?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and talk bad about anything. It's a public no. no. <laughs> I, yeah, I was but, just curious. Uh, I'm not talking bad. Yeah. Just... Gotcha. It's the, uh, I mean, dude, it was the full moon in March. Like, I mean, that's the people plan their vacations around that stuff. It was right. spring break, you know, and it was beautiful weather. Obviously, you know, people were going to get out there and fish. And, uh, you know, that's just part of it. That's what we got to deal with. And, you know, I'm just glad it, it didn't
0: hurt me too bad. Well, no, well, clear, clearly it didn't, but on, on day one, one of the things that impressed me most about your seminar at Bass U was how you plan for that morning of like how you, how you triangulate, how you prepare for uh, the low light conditions. And uh, that, did you have all those five picked out like going into the first day of the tournament?
2: Well, so we had an off day um, after our final day of practice. So it was a little bit different. And it was also 22 degrees our first day of practice. Ooh. So the water tent was just getting to that 60 degree area whenever we ended practice. So I had one female locked on bed, and that's the one I started on. Um, and I caught her. The other females that I had, I, they weren't on the bed in practice but they would be you know sitting on a, a pad point or something like that and I marked all of them and then the first day of the tournament I'd go to that pad point and they would be locked on bed to the closest male that was there so I mean that was their their home range and then once a male got on the bed and it finally got warm enough they locked onto the bed and it was it, it never worked never normally works out like that but the first 5 that I had to go catch that I had marked I caught every one of them
0: Holy and it was like,
2: that's what I told my marshal. I said, "Dude, when a plan comes together like this, the only thing that can mess this up is me if I get in its way. Just, we just got to let it happen."
0: Man, that's that's sound advice. Uh, is to let it happen. That's such a a big deal because you can get nervous, you can get under pressure, and uh, and have things melt out. But man, you 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 were under a lot of pressure. Uh, those next two days because it did not go that easy on days mm. two through four you had to you had to grind and I'll be honest, it was a sight to see you were cool level-headed and you crushed it those next three days
2: yeah and so one thing I never did uh, which I probably should have looking back now um I never started on any of the mails um, I had a couple really nice mails you know, four to five and a quarter pound males. And those are the ones that really win you tournaments, honestly. And every morning I would, I would fish very thoroughly through my area. And because it was reloading, you know, every day and every night, I would fish really thoroughly through there. And I, for whatever reason you couldn't get a bite, um, just throwing a wacky rig or a weightless cinco or, a you know, a, a popping frog or a prop bait. I never had a bite doing that. And, uh, then I would come back and troll through the, the same areas. I mean, I'm talking about the same place that I've casted three times this morning because it looks like a perfect place for a bed and there'd be a male and a female on it and then end up catching them side fishing. It, they were just so in tune with spawning that they weren't, you know, you had to actually get up there and and get them mad enough to bite. Had I been able to catch some of them, you know, just fishing some freebies, you know, it would have probably gone a lot different because I think day two, I didn't catch a bass till 10 day three, it was 1030. Uh, yesterday, I, I was fortunate enough to catch one female that I knew was there. I mean, I threw at her for, for five minutes before I got her to bite. And then after that, I had to find new fish. So, I mean, it still took, you know, a while for the sun to get up and for me to, to look for them. But yes, you're 100% right. The wheels could have fell off. day two day three or day four one of one of those three days it definitely could have happened and uh i will say i am i am kind of proud of myself for not letting that happen because i've done that before i've not been leading but i've been in you know opportunity to win an event and the wheels actually do fall off so i tried my best to keep my head down and and stay with it
0: you showed great poise uh and And I want to compliment you not only on that, but on watching you. Like when I, when you spoke for us and were just in your element to talk, you could tell you were in your wheelhouse talking about it, you know, sight fishing. And it was, you were saying some things and and interpreting the fish behavior in, in ways that I hadn't heard before. And then I saw you on live and comparative to like some of the other guys that were sight fishing um during that time you could see your confidence just soaring where uh even some of the guys were commenting on air like they you know maybe they can't get them to bite or they can't figure out exactly what's happening here that never happens with you out there you it's like that's exactly where you're supposed to be you're you you clearly exhibited great confidence in in sight fishing more so than the other guys
2: Absolutely. I mean, it was a fastball right over the plate for me. That's, (laughs) I mean, I grew up doing that. And luckily where I live, you know, we got to do it from about beginning of January all the way. I've caught them here uh, the first week of June off bed. So we have a, a long period of time to be able to do it. And I mean, for me, it's like hunting and fishing put together. So there's nothing better than that. And even my camera guy, Jake, that was with me all week, he was like, dude, this is awesome. It's like bow hunting. We're sneaking around, creeping up on them, you know, and that's what makes it so awesome. That's what I love about it. It combines, you know, two of my favorite things. And that's just what I love to do. Um, and I said in practice, I'm, it was either gonna, I was either gonna do good or do bad, one of the two, but I was riding the train, whether it went straight down off the cliff or all the way to the top.
1: What kind of push pole well, do uh, you use, Drew? When you're when you're sneaking around, like uh, to to see the fish, or, or do you even use a push pole? Uh,
2: absolutely, so, um, you got to have a push pole. I use the the super stick. Um, it's the telescopic pole, but even more so than that, um, I don't know that you got to really see it on live uh, because you know they didn't really show whenever I found one. But whenever you're trolling, motoring. And, you know, you're going say on a hundred and you see one. And by the time, you know, you get your boat or like, you know, you get your foot on your button for your power poles, you're already too close. If you'll hit the down button on your power pole. And as soon as your boat stops, you hit the up button. Mm -hmm. It will actually slingshot you backwards
1: slide. And
2: that way you're not muddying up any water. Because uh, even with the push pole, especially whenever I was in the actual pads, that was muddy bottom, and they mm-hmm. were just spawning on the pad roots. Um, whenever you put that push pole down there and lift it up, it'd have a, you know, a dust cloud. Yeah. And I don't think that it actually would hinder, you know, you seeing, but that bass just watched something really big happen. Like an atom bomb went off <laughs> on the bottom. You know, right. it kind of gets them a little squirrely. Right. But, yeah, that's that's something that that a lot of people don't know that, I do all the time that I don't think they got to see on live this week.
1: It's a good way to do it too. When you're getting your buddy snags out of the trees, just take a slide <laughs> this in there, is to, true. slide in there to the bank, push it out, time it right with the poles and just kind of ease on back out. That's uh, typically what we have to deal with around here. Yeah. That's right. save your, your patrol motor props. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you know, my biggest problem in this is I get, I love to sight fish. I love to hunt them, just like you talked about. But when I get in a tournament and I got one that's uncooperative and I, I'm watching my watch go round, it's like it goes in hyper warp speed, you know, Yeah. and, uh, you know, but you just, you never leave. Like you, it, it almost seems like, you know, you're going to get them. It doesn't matter how much time or do you budget time? How do you handle that time management when you got a tricky one?
2: It, it all depends on the fish, how the fish is acting. Um, like yesterday, I spent I spent an hour on a five and a quarter male that was a fry garter that that I did not catch, um, and that hurt, you know. And I even, I mean, I felt like I was fixing to get him to bite at any point in time, but once it got to an hour, I think it was like an hour and five minutes, as that I can't. Sit here and die, because I still am gonna go look for the same stuff. And if I waste too much time, I won't. I don't get to where that that seven fourteen was. You know, I don't win the tournament. So it was just one of those things that I felt like I needed to leave. But I also thought I could maybe come back um, later right. in the day, now that I know where the fry is and where where it's hanging, to to actually you know just throw at it and catch it
0: well you brought it up it was the greatest fish catch i've seen in a long long time uh that that what was it Seven twelve or seven fourteen? something like that oh uh, mm-hmm. i mean i'm well you don't know right we're watching live we're, we're watching uh you know you're you're behind you're several pounds behind and and uh you you needed that, and we've all been in that spot, you know, or you know if you've ever done fit tournament fishing at all, where you get late in the day and you know you just need one big one and it'll get you there, and it hardly ever comes. <laughs> and it's true. It, it, you you man, you were on that fish a long time, and you caught that giant, I think seven twelve, and that was a really a masterful fish catch. That I think it's going to go down you know, as one of the cl- most clutch fish catches of all time on, on, on Bassmaster live, man, that, are you still reliving that? that? That was an exceptional fish catch.
2: Yeah. It, I could tell, uh, I knew I needed, a you know, one big one and whenever I saw it, I knew it was the one that I, that I needed. But what y'all didn't see was before that, I was trolling down the bank, and there was one stump. And whenever I could see the stump, it looked like it had other stumps laying beside it. And whenever I got up there, all the other stumps moved. <laughs> and there was five bass on one stump, and the smallest one was five pounds, and the biggest one was ten. But none of them were locked down. I I sat on that that stump for about twenty minutes, and I mean the the bag to win is within sight I can literally see what I need to to blow this thing out of the water but none of them are locked down I got one eight pounder to to kind of you know I just shocked her into looking and rolling on it twice but I left that and I got like 30 yards past it and I told Jake my camera guy I said what am I doing leaving that stump with all those bass on it that I mean I could in any one of those bass I win and I just happened to look up and I saw the big one so we, we pulled and I actually I saw the big one she was about 20 feet away from the actual bed and I pulled down and I was trying to see where the bed was and then all I saw was like the the tail of the male sticking out from underneath the lily pad and then I saw where the bed was And that was, I got the male fired up and she came in there. She almost did it on like the third flip. And uh, the male actually was so fired up when the female would get in there and nose down on him, the male would hit her inside and push her away. And then he would bite it. I got him to bite probably 20 times and he'd swim it off. And finally I got it far enough away from the male and let the female get in between the male and the bait. And whenever I shook it, she rolled on it and sucked it in and, It was just kind of a blur there. I mean, it was literally in slow motion. It looked, it felt like it lasted about five minutes from whenever I set the hook to whenever I grabbed her. But on the video, it's like thirty seconds. But and then after that, I have no idea what happened. (laughs) I think I I think I kissed Jake. I know I gave him a big hug. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I was content then. However, it was going to go
0: down. Yeah, and then I think that was the winning fish. I think you called after that, but uh, you know, and I'm I'm being critical. I'm I was worried, I was scared to death because when you hooked up with that big fish, I'm like he's rushing this fish. You know, you had that you had that fish in your hands, and like like you said, just a couple seconds, and uh, I I was worried for you. Did you look back and think oh, I I should have slowed down on that fish a little bit?
2: No, not that one. But there was two other ones this week that I I look back on, and I, that was not very smart of me. I both swung a, a six and three quarter, nice, and another one that was almost six that um, that I shouldn't, definitely shouldn't have. But and even one of my buddies from home, he uh, sends me a Snapchat every morning of the tournament and practice, and gives me a pep talk the the last day of the tournament, he snapchatted me and said, If you boat swing another six pounder, I'm driving to South Carolina and I'm gonna slap you. So, <laughs> I was kind of trying to think about that whenever I was whenever I was real little men. But uh, <laughs> man, it, I I just still can't really believe it all worked out like it did. It was truly one of those one of those weeks, one of those tournaments that I, I never the final day I never got spun out. I I always thought that that I was gonna find the one I needed around the next corner or in the next patch of pads. It was it's something that I've never never felt before. It was I was very calm. Normally I'm jacked up and, you know, moving around and I I didn't really move much. I think I burned nine gallons of gas in four days of a tournament. So that never happens either
1: yeah how did you how did you identify the areas that you fished through was it something that you just you know covered water and found him in practice or did you kind of go into the tournament with a game plan of like these are the areas where you know you know the biggest groups of fish should be spawning or was it you know research and and you know studying beforehand told you you know i need to focus on these areas talk a little bit about like how you honed in on where the biggest fish in that system were all going to be on beds
2: so I, I had two areas or and two very big areas. you know, they were the same lower section of the lake, but it was both sides of the lake. Um, and the first day, looking in that potato creek area, I saw a bunch of fish swimming around, but in the actual pocket that I that I caught most of my fish in, there were there was fish actually on bed, you know, a bunch of males already on bed and and the one female. And I knew that that pocket was, was fairly special because it actually had deep water coming into it and it had grass out in the middle of it. It was a, you know, like a a stringy type grass, but it was something in the middle of it. Most of the other pockets were really shallow and didn't have anything in it. Um, But I also had an area on the other side of the lake that was really good too. Um, And I had planned on burning that Potato Creek area to the ground in two days, like not having another bass left in there. And it reloaded every night. And I, I mean, I stuck with it because it kept reloading. Um, and, and I never saw that coming, you know, I, I never went to the other side of the lake. Um, Drew Benton ended up, you know, staying on the other side of the lake and, you know, we both made a top 10, but I, I still, don't know what it was about that pocket except for the deep water that ran all the way to the back of it that that made it reload so much every night. I mean, and there was a few key areas in the pocket that if I caught one bed on one on bed on day one, right here, you know, over the next three days, I caught more on bed within, you know, 15 feet of where that bed was on a different bed, but in that same general area. And there was about four of those hot spots, if you would, um, in there. So like Palinic asked me on day three, he said, how many fish have you caught off the same bed? It's like, I've drove by you five times and you've been pulled down in the same place. And and that's when I explained to him, I said, they're not actually on the same bed. They're just in the same, you know, little area, the size of your boat for whatever reason, whether it was the, the bottom was harder or there was shell there and not, you know, further, but it was it was a very special pocket, I would tell you that. So,
1: so those it's, those big ones aren't afraid to like put their beds like real real close to each other in, in the same little areas. No,
0: not at all. We we see it um, on the Chesapeake. We don't get to sight fish for them that much, um, but I, they do what I call colony spawning, and it's it's what mm-hmm. you're describing, you know. Because I can't see them, but I know because of the bites I'm getting like one it seems like you'll get one group little group will move into an area and it's almost like they tell everybody and that's the area that year or that week that and they all come in and they just it's like they want to be together right they're schooling fish so they they want to spawn together that's exactly what you're describing but you could see it
2: yeah it was And it was pretty crazy. I know there's some really good drone pictures of pretty much exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know, being able to see the difference in the bottom hardness and, and the actual depth, you know, I caught a lot of fish this week, big fish in, you know, less than a foot of water. And that's very rare for me, you know, normally the bigger ones (laughs) you catch in deeper water where you can, you know, almost barely see them and that a lot of people don't see, but a lot of them were dirt shallow. And, you know, you had to be really sneaky and, you know, get as far away as possible. And that was one of the things, a lot of those fish were really boat shy, but if they didn't know you were there, they were super easy to catch. But if they knew you were there, they were, they were pretty difficult. The ones that were actually in the pads, like in the middle of the pad, you had to get up, you know, fairly close to them um, to catch them. But... And they didn't really, really mind that much. But the ones that were on the edge of the pads, if if they knew you were there, they were um, a lot harder to catch. Probably take you twice as long.
0: Wow. In the thicker cover, they were a little bit uh, uh, easier to get close to. That's Well, I guess that makes sense. But, you know, Alex, I
3: want, you know, you, are you taking a lesson? No swinging six pounders into the boat. My cutoff less or my cutoff limit for swinging into the boats usually like a pound and a half. I mean, if it's much bigger than that, it's a giant around here. You better get down on your hands and knees and pray that thing doesn't come off. But um, but yeah, I wanted to ask Drew a couple of questions. We have a lot of great stuff coming in on the message board and on YouTube. We appreciate everybody's interaction and first question we're going to go to came in on the message board from bruce and bruce we're getting this question in you're going to win a 25 dollars gills gear gift card so go ahead send us in your email we'll get that sent out to you but drew what bruce would like to know is how the cancellation day affected your fishing for the rest of the tournament
2: the cancel the cancel day hurt me bad um and so actually where where i was staying was directly across the creek from from the pocket that I caught most of my fish on and uh I got to watch it go down on our off day and dude let me tell you after being on live they throttled it I mean it was crazy how many boats were going in and out of there and uh I mean Mm -hmm. I know a bunch of them got caught but for whatever I mean dude they they reloaded in between the off day and and our first day back and I mean, it it hurt it a lot. I mean, I definitely probably could have caught you know some bigger bags if that day wouldn't have happened. But it uh, it was very surprising. That was whenever I knew I said I got to leave. You know, I'm gonna go in there and and try to catch the one that I lost on day two at the end of the day that I had marked, and uh, then I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of there. And whenever I pulled up to the one I had marked. Uh, they were both gone and somebody took my marker (laughs) and, uh, so I knew it, it, it had been, you know, been beat on pretty good, but there was more fish in there and I I really couldn't believe it, but that was right. Whenever we really had, we had the full moon, you know, Friday night and, you know, those fish were just steadily pulling up. And, you know, I would have loved to have been able to be out there consecutive days to, to see what was new coming in and to be able to find stuff for the next day. But, uh, I mean, I can't complain. <laughs> There's, it all worked out.
0: <laughs> it worked out the way it should have worked out, but well, what, what, let me ask you that about that cancel day was full of wind. I mean, it was monster wind. Would, would that have inhibited you?
2: Actually the way that the wind was blowing that day, I would have been fine. The third day, when the wind blew, it really made it tough on me. Um, The wind had switched directions and it was blowing directly into that, that cove. Um, So what I would have to do is just let the wind blow me around. And whenever I'd see one on bed, I would remember where it was and make a big loop around and get as far away as possible. And I couldn't see the bass a lot of the times on that day, I would just have to fish for the, for the female and, Luckily, you know, it, it worked out a couple of times. There was a lot of fish that that I saw that I didn't catch that day because maybe the male would bite um, the first day or the first pitch or something like that. And you know, you throw the male back or you put him in the box, and then you know the, the female doesn't get up there. You throw the male back, and then you never get either one of them. Uh, you know, it was that's what's tough whenever you can't see them. Uh, it's great if the female bites on the first pitch, which happens, you know, um, a good bit of the time, if you know exactly where the bed is. Um,
0: But it was a little tough that day. You, you did that successfully. You threw back, you had a male in your live well and, and after a little while you went and threw them back in and were able to catch that fish. You, you pulled that off. That was That was pretty unique to see that in real time. I
2: actually did that two times this week. Um, And both times I did not have a limit whenever I caught the male. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first time I had two bass, I caught the male. And uh, I knew for a fact as soon as as the male bit, I didn't know that the male bit. The female and the male were side Mm -hmm. by side. And they both, you know, acted like they ate it. But I thought that the, the female had it and I set the hook, and it was the male, and uh, I did. I put him in the box, and whenever I stood up, I fixed my bait, and the, the female didn't swim up there. I flipped my bait in there, and I waited about five minutes, and the female actually swam up there, and whenever I shook it, she left. So I went back there, threw the male back in. Um, the female got back up there, and I was able to catch her within a few minutes, and then on day three, I, uh, I did the same thing, um and that does not work all the time but it's way easier to catch the female first and you know you have the 50 percent chance um if you catch the male and put him in the live well that you'll catch the female but those fish have to have already laid their eggs for you to be able to do that Um, if they haven't laid their eggs yet the 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 female will actually swim off and day three i thought that that those fish had laid their eggs so whenever i caught the male I put him in the box and I thought that I was going to be able to catch the female pretty quick. And she actually swam back up into the bed. And when she swam in there, there was another female, um, one that was about 12 pounds. There was one that was seven and one that was substantially larger than her. And, uh, my first pitch in there, the, the 12 nosed up on it and her tail was almost out of the water. Her tail was doing like this and you could, the water was bowling where her tail was doing it. And, uh, I thought I was going to catch her on like the first flip. And when she, she just, you know, backed off of it and swam off the seven pounder followed it. And then the next time I saw the seven pounder, another male had actually started courting her and was trying to take her to the other bed. So that's whenever I threw that, that male back. And, uh, luckily they, they both got back up on the bed and I was able to able to catch her.
0: So my, my, my producer Jeff was calling me freaking out. What did he just go in his live room and throw a fish back? What the heck is going on? He <laughs> we were worried about you. But uh I I had to explain to Jeff your strategy and you pulled it off uh to a T right there, live for everybody to see. But I, I uh you said something about a marker. What what how did you mark the bed? So I actually I used to have
2: this little stake and it had a metal tip on it it was about four foot long it was made out of wood it was like a wooden dowel and uh whenever i'd see a bed i could just throw it and it would stick in the ground and uh so I, I didn't have to like actually get up there and like you know beat it into the ground and muddy up the bed or anything i could just throw it down and i i looked for it before we left i don't know where i put it where whether me moving or it blew out of the boat one day or something like that Um, so whenever I was in there on day two, I, I caught the male off that bed. I I couldn't see. And then you speared him. I was close to it. (laughs) I was close to it, but the, I had, the fish were right up against the pad. So I couldn't, all I could see was tails most of the time. And, uh, I caught the male and I threw him back and, uh, I actually went into my box and I grabbed a popper and took the hooks off of it and I tied a one ounce Carolina rig weight with some, some line on it. And I threw it at at the back of the bed, um, you know, a couple feet off. And I went on about my day and uh, right before we had to leave, like the last five minutes, I told my camera guy, I said, let's pull up there and let me throw at her from a distance um, and see if she will bite. And whenever I pulled up there, I was about 50 feet away. I threw up there. I let it sit in the bed for about a minute. And, uh, I beat the rod, butt a little bit and she bit it. And whenever I set the hook on her, she had already came to me and got in pads. So I didn't really get a good hook in her and then she come right off. So I knew I didn't hurt her bad. Um, you know, she barely felt the hook and I that was where I was going to start the next day. Um, and my marker was gone, but somehow, <laughs> I mean, if somebody, the only, The only thing that was left of that popper was, I mean, it was kind of like a really dull, all the paint was going off of it. The only thing that still had paint on it was the red of the inside of the cup mouth. So it had to hit the light perfect and somebody be like, oh, look at that. And then they got him a a popper. a trained popper at that
1: <laughs> I, I i gotta hear more about this uh this like chucking spear that you're that you're using <laughs> like from the boat to like mark these fish because like right now i got a vision in my head of like drew cook on like the movie 300 with a spear and like a you know no. a copenhagen going and just like launching this thing from like 75 yards and dropping it in the bed like what's going on with that man no it's
2: uh i, I believe we got him from Lowe's or something like they're about as big around as your your pinky
1: uh-huh. um
2: you know quarter inch or something like that and they had metal I don't I guess they're used for like maybe some type of surveying or something like that um but they're round and you know whenever you'd get you know fairly close to the bed maybe five or ten feet away from the bed you could just throw it onto the back of it and that that metal piece on the end of it was really heavy so it would like you could throw it kind of at an angle, and it would it would go down straight up and down.
1: It's like playing and, darts uh, for for bedding bass.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but that was just to to mark the beds. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you could you could throw at them, and not have to look at it.
1: That's that's all. It's freaking genius. Like it, it that's <laughs> that's money, man. I've heard of like the tomato steaks and like putting like little white you know you know white poles in the ground near your beds or whatever. But you're like going next level, dude. You're like you're like going Thor from like twenty five yards away, just plucking these things, marking beds with sticks. That's that's great. I love it.
2: So before we had the sticks, we used to take uh little Hysons, like the little bitty hysons, and tie on to the Hysons and put a weight on it and throw it on the bed. So you would I mean it would look natural whenever yeah. you'd see it out there, but you'd be in a lily pad field and there'd be one Hyson. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where, that's where the bed was, you know, where there'd be five hysons, and all five hysons had on a bed.
1: This is like, but if
2: you put a tomato steak on there, everyone knows to throw at the tomato. Steak.
1: Exactly. I mean, everybody knows the out out there.
2: They're like, mm, you
1: know,
0: yeah. Don't even see
1: it. Yeah. My, my, my dad's going to have no, no, uh, three ounce diamond striper weights anymore after this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to raid his supply and get, you know, hundred pound braid and, be tying off like little sticks to stuff. And when I start marking grass out on the flat, there's going to be all kinds of little sticks floating around. I'm going to know exactly where to cast. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. It's awesome. Great. Hey, we've got a lot of questions coming in the IM board. I want to ask one from Brian Stockhill, uh, <laughs> Byron Stockhill. I think we might know who know that guy, but um, he, he talks about the shaking technique because you talked about it. It was it's completely unique. You talked about it in our seminar and uh, in the seminar you gave. And, the, and the, the question is, do you always do that? Or do you assess when the fish are reacting to your bait? Or is there ever a time when, and that's a deterrent and you don't do that technique?
2: Yeah. So, the, I mean, every fish is different. It's just like a, a human, just like a dog. You know, they're all, all different. Um, but I would say 90% of the time, that works um you know some of the other times they're they're just stubborn and they sit there and you have to hop the bait in front of their face and it's what's called shock biting um the mm. thing about shock biting is they don't they don't want to eat it they're not mad enough to actually go down and eat it off the bottom when they eat it off the bottom they've got it in their mouth all the way there's no doubt whenever they're shock biting a lot of times they'll eat half your bait um you know a lot of times you hook them right there in the lip and as soon as they you bring them up to the surface, they'll come off and they're they're harder fish to catch um, but I have seen and I had one this week that the female it was because there was a pad over the bed that I whenever I had to flip in there, my line was had to be touched on the pad, but when that pad shook she uh she did not like it so i didn't i wasn't able to catch her actually shaking it i was a, able to catch her actually just dragging the bait not not hopping it or anything like that but there was some some roots and stuff in there so as i was dragging it real slow you know it would go over one one root and you know the legs would just you know kind of just like it would whenever i was shaking it but that pad if i could have had something to cut that pad out of the way you know, I could have could have caught her shaking it, but that pad shaking really, really
1: deterred
2: her. And right. a lot of times, whenever you flip it in there, and you know, say your your fish is making a figure eight or whatever, and it's on like a 20 second figure eight, so it takes 20 seconds from whenever it's on the bed to make its little little run till it gets back to the bed. You pitch your bait in there, and You know, it's making its figure eight. Whenever it gets back to the bed, your bait's already sitting in there. It wasn't watching, you know, you snuck the bait in there. And when you shake it, it is instinct for that fish to actually turn and eat the bait. And a lot of times you catch them first flip just like that on fish that a lot of people think are uncatchable because they're out there doing their figure eight. But when you hide that bait in the bed and don't give them the opportunity to think about it, you know, you, you normally catch them real
0: quick. Yeah, that's really cool. You talked about that uh, in the seminar. By the way, we're releasing his full seminar on Thursday, guys, so you do not miss it. Uh, we're going to drop it on Thursday with, with all the details. We're talking about a lot tonight, but I heard some things that I hadn't heard before uh, in that seminar and it's just amazing stuff. But you, the bait, I mean, talk about the bait. That's the obvious thing. You talk about it so much. Uh, that that is your go-to bait, go-to color. To, I think it's tilapia magic, right? It's uh, what 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 separates that bait from, from other baits that you've played around with?
2: I've actually got the one right here. And it's going to stay on this trophy. It's going to stay on this trophy too. Um, this is what I caught the, the 714 at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So it's, this one's pretty pretty special. But I mean, this is a big bite bait tilapia magic fighting frog. And the thing about this bait is I mean, you can see it with me shaking it right now. All the appendages move, you know, very easily. But these legs, because they get so narrow before it gets to the body, it lets this bait shake a lot when that without actually moving the bait through the bed. And what I mean by that is, whenever you have this bait in the bed and you've seen me on slack line beating the back of my rod and it's mm-hmm. just shaking the line, um, the bait is still staying exactly where it is in the bed, but it is moving. Everything's moving. You know, it's all moving. And the color, the color is just as big of a deal as everything else. Um, I think a lot of people downplay the color of it because, oh, it's a bed and bass it will eat whatever. But this tilapia magic, it's got this silver fleck in it. and if you fish with it and you're sitting there and you're watching your bait as you're beating it in the bed every once in a while the sun will hit one of those silver flecks just perfect and you'll see a ray of light well the bass see the same thing and when they see that it's like a eat me sign you know they just they it's something that they haven't seen before in their bed um and it's done something that none of the other baits have done that have been in the bed and they they just They go and eat it. And it's just another one of those, those triggering things from this bait. And I mean, actually fishing the bait, the, the legs have a lot of action reeling it. You know, it has a lot of action, but even whenever it's just sitting there, the, the bait moves so much without actually having to move the bait. And, you know, it's not just the actual bait, the whole setup is I have spent, I don't even know how many years. And I believe I have finally perfected everything that I can about from my my rod to my line to my weight to my hook. Um, when Aaron Martin's came out with this this G finesse heavy cover worm hook, th- it was one hundred percent the deal, um, and he knew it. And whenever I first got a hold of these things, it was it was like like Forrest Gump said. Jenny and him were like peas and carrots. It's literally (laughs) how this hook goes with this bait and the bait, you know, it has a hook slot in it. And that is another very beneficial thing about this bait is you're only going through about a 16th inch of plastic, um, to actually drive your hook home. But that's a four off Gamagatsu G finesse heavy cover, worm hook, um, a quarter ounce tungsten and 22 pound Sunline. And the rod that I use is, is, is very particular too. It's a 744 champion extreme or a champion XP. They both have the same type of action. Um, and that's not a very heavy rod. That's a, a media medium, heavy ish rod. Um, you, I tried the flipping stick type deal, you know, the heavy rods, I've tried the, the lighter rods. I would lose a lot of fish on the, the heavy rods when they were jumping uh, because the tip doesn't have any play in it to keep the line tight. On the lighter rods, I would lose a bunch of fish because I just didn't hook them good. That's like a happy medium. I'm actually working with them on a signature series line and it is going to have, I think my buddies named it the home wrecker or something like that. The rod, the bed fishing rod, it's gonna be exactly what I want. bed fishing and that's you know around a seven four ish length and a medium heavy and a half power so it'd be like a 744 and a half but not quite a 745 but you know but i also did use uh the bigger fighting frog the five inch fighting frog and that was key whenever i couldn't see the male and the female whenever i couldn't see the bed to to know which one was going to bite it, I would use that that five inch, um, just because the female is more apt to bite it first. Then, um, because it's so big, right. so I would use that on a three eighths ounce weight um, with a five g power, my um, g flipping hook. And but they're both the same same color, just one's a little bit longer than the other and, and a little bit bigger profile that that gives it the the reason why a female would bite it not not one of those little three pound males
0: i i think your dog is upset that you're giving away this bait <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> probably but you know it, it's it's done me good i will say it's <laughs> done me a lot of good i've made a lot of money off this bait, and even before i ever made the elite series or we we're fishing the opens this was a uh this was a killer at home
0: and i <laughs> believe
2: if you want some you better get on them real quick because they're Probably that would be hard
0: to find. Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. They're they're out of stock everywhere, especially tilapia magic. The uh, Frank wants to know: Do you peg your bait? And I thought I saw that you did, but I don't know. Is there a time when you I don't do peg for do always Never. it? Yeah.
2: always, always peg it whenever I'm bed fishing. Always, never not peg it at all. And most of the time, honestly, anytime I fish a Texas mm-hmm. rig, I'll peg it. Um, even like on a big Texas rig. Uh, mm-hmm. you know 10 inch 12 inch worm I still peg it I put a, you know put a bead in between the hook and the weight and I'll just leave a, a quarter of an inch in between the top of the weight and, and the actual bead or the top and the peg so that bead is still rattling and stuff but I always peg it I don't want that thing to go way up my line especially not whenever a lot of people want it to do that when they're fishing brush piles but I seem to get hung up or took to the house more in brush piles whenever i don't have it because my weight's in the pile my bait's on the other side of the pile or you know on the outside of it when the fish bites it we're just all wrapped up in everything so I, I peg my stuff most of the time the only time i don't peg my stuff is on a swimming worm um, when i'm reeling a swimming worm I'll, i will not peg it
0: well then, and and i want to pass it around rich i know we got ims and Alex, we got questions (laughs) and, uh, but um, the, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, oh my gosh, I completely lost my train of thought. BTC would have a a field day with me, but I'm going to, I'm going to pass it on to you, Alex, because I had a great question for you. I'm going to come back to it in just a minute. It just slipped my mind, but Alex, let me send it to you.
3: Oh, good. Yeah, I had a good question coming off YouTube a little while ago. It's from Bo Judd, and he wants to know, Drew, when you're making the first cast to a bed fish, do you try to finesse the bait in front of the fish, or will you immediately throw over them and try to hit them with it or rough them up a little bit?
2: Uh, Mm. The first cast, uh, I never touch them with it. Um, If I'm throwing at it from, uh, you know, a a good distance and I can't see, I want to throw it, you know, at least 10 feet past the bed and, you know, bring it into the, I want to stop it short of the bed uh, or past the bed and actually bring the bait into the bed. And if I'm looking at them, you know, I want to see which direction the fish is facing. If it's facing at an angle that way, I want to bring my bait from the front of the fish to it, uh, but I don't want to touch them. You know, I want it to be as easy as possible for them to eat it. That's the first cast. The second cast is completely opposite of what I just said. So the fish is facing away from you or sideways. I'm going to get it and bring it to the tail. And that's whenever I touch the fish, because a lot of times, if you touch it in the tail, it's either going to spin around and eat it, or it's going to swim off and it's going to, you know, you're going to have to work on it a little bit to actually get it to bite. I don't really normally like hit the fish with it unless, or, you know, until I've been there for, you know, three or four minutes, made probably 12 or 15 pitches at it. Because if if you'll start, if you'll take your bed like this circle right here and you'll cut it into, say, seven sections, right? You got three, center, and three. And you start on one side and you just keep going through the sections. you're going to find the sweet spot in that bed. And there's going to be a sweet spot that's probably going to be about that big. And that's where they have either laid their eggs or going to lay their eggs. It might be a shell. It might be a, the high spot on a pad root. Uh, could be anything. And once you find that, then it's kind of, you know, just pretty easy. You just keep hitting that same spot and you'll get them to bite.
1: That's the circle of life. You got to find the sweet spot. That's right yes yes you do
0: i i have a question about and i'm going back to my thought was forward-facing sonar you what when you can't see them when they're deeper than you can see have you started to incorporate that into bed fishing
2: yes i'm gonna (laughs) leave it at that though (laughs) Y'all tried to y'all tried to pry that out of me in that bash you, but I, I figure I needed some money down the road. I'm gonna have to do another one on sight fishing with your, your forward facing sonar. <laughs> so yes, that that is something that's coming. Um, you know, that that some people do. I believe um if I have heard correctly, Luke Palmer was doing it a little bit this week. Um fortunately I never had to do it. I have done it in the past and I have caught them really good in the past in a couple of elite series tournaments doing it. Um, and it's, it is, the technology is amazing. And I have spent a, a good amount of time trying to hone that in. Um, so, but I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go too in depth.
0: It. Well, it, cause the, uh, and, and, and I don't mean to pry, but I mean to pry. what uh, <laughs> uh, what it seems like, eight feet or deeper it it absolutely is phenomenal but when you're in that shallower water um it can be tricky and palmer i I, they said you know he had commented i heard that he was using it i didn't really get to watch him that much i saw somebody told you
1: heard it from somebody around the corner you know yeah
0: (laughs) but but uh you know i guess he was a little bit fishing deeper beds so um you know, I I guess when you're in that three to four foot zone, that might be right at the cusp of where it can be effective. But you're are you, are you talking or are you not talking? I don't I don't know if I'm going to get <laughs> I, that question.
2: I, I I caught them in an Elite Series event, and they were in five to six foot of water, uh hmm. spawning on the the ends of docks and some canals,
0: hmm.
2: and I caught all of them off bed using hmm.
0: forward facing sonar. Hmm. Nope. Do they like the, the Do they like the fighting frog? When uh, can you see the fight absolutely frog on the forward facing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can, yeah. And a lot of people when they get up shallow, they just completely
2: forget about that that mm. the forward facing sonar and you're, you're it's, a it's a good tool. <laughs> well,
0: let me ask you this: when when you caught them bed fishing off the forward facing sonar, did they have to be hooked in the mouth?
2: Uh, I'm assuming yes, but I I don't know the answer to that question. My wife actually asked me this today, the same question you just asked me. Um, and we talked about it for a little bit. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I, I, I would say, uh, if you're using it to actually look at one on bed, yes, it has to be hooked in the mouth, but. I would say if you're throwing a jerk bait over uh, some massive flat and one gets hooked outside the, the mouth, you know, it might've had a, the jerk bait T-bone, but now you got one hook in his cheek. I, I that's going to be a, a bridge to cross when we get there. But I will say after that happened where I caught them on the, uh, the sonar, I got, I called my buddy Trent at sonar pros and. Now we have all the forward facing sonars on our boat this year.
0: Hey now. That I, says a lot. That says a lot. What? We got we gotta start doing this where we where we can never see them, Riz. Like all three
1: all three brands you're saying, Drew?
0: I
2: have every brand of, of electronics on my boat. Um I have Humminbird, Lorantz, mm. Garmin. So, if, if somebody's got something that's that's better than somebody else, I've you know, in one area I want, I, I want a Lowrance for waypoint management, 100% up and down, no problem. And I want a Lowrance for, you know, side imaging and, and deeper than, than 14 foot of water. I want a Humminbird for side imaging and 14 foot of water and less. I mean, the Humminbird okay. is amazing uh, side imaging. I have marked many of beds on side imaging and three foot of water.
1: Really? And okay.
2: That's what i I mean, they each have their, their, their good stuff. I got the, the Garmin live scope and the Garmin perspective. Um, I've played with Lawrence. There's no telling what I'm going to have next year. Um, All if right. somebody comes out with something better than, than ever, Sonar pros will, will make me a harness for it and we'll set it up.
0: Shout out to Trent at Sonar pros. We interviewed him at the classic and, uh, had some really insightful stuff about uh uh selecting sonar depend based on your fishing style which was really really cool and uh but what, what bed fishing i mean uh it, it seems like it would be an obvious i've seen um you know off my hummingbird side you know you can see the uh obvious like bluegill colonies and and shellcracker colonies and that type of stuff um but i have not used it uh to to look at, look for bedding bass i'm assuming it it's just looks like a crater what what are you seeing
2: yeah and uh it's it's really great um for seawalls like if you have mm-hmm. say a, a deeper seawall you know bass mm-hmm. bed on seawalls they love it and you know you can just idle down the seawall and past the docks and you'll see a, a bed on a dock post or bed on the seawall where a four by four is on the seawall or something
0: and it just makes you pretty efficient. And that's amazing. Riz, uh I'm gonna throw it to you. Do you have any IMs from our guys that are, are waiting in the wings? I know you're busy over there, so I don't want to shock you with the question, but I wanna get uh get some IMs from our guys.
1: Yeah, so I think uh I I, I think we've had a, a lot of ims come through. Um I've been working with the shots here. Uh uh, but one question that I saw come through from uh, Stefan Walden. Uh, shout out to our guy, Stefan. He was actually down at the event representing Bass U, uh putting in What's some up, good Steph? work. Uh, he wants to know, uh, Drew, did you find uh, that fish respond? Do you find that bedding fish respond better to certain colors over other colors based on water clarity? And if so, what colors might they be?
2: Um. yeah my, I mean, uh, my go-to is a natural-ish color. Um, you know, a brim is, is, is the bass's worst nightmare, worst enemy while they're spawning. So you want to have something that, that resembles them, but I mean, people catch them on white. Um, I, I got there, there are some times where a different color, uh, means a lot a lot of that has pertained more to spotted bass than than largemouth um the spotted bass it seems i i got scott montgomery the owner of big bite to to pour me a couple hundred fighting frogs and methylate just for spotted bass and gin clear water it seems like they they just they love that color um but i have seen where there was more like pumpkin seed brim around than than you know regular bluegill and something a little bit lighter with a little bit more orange in it has you know has been better or gets them to bite quicker i mean i think you can catch them on anything as long as you spend enough time but it's all about efficiency you can catch one in five minutes rather than 45 minutes obviously that baits better than the other one but the actual water clarity i mean the the dirtier the water, the darker the bait has always been my deal. You can't go wrong with a, a hematoma or a black and blue whenever the, the water is dirty, um, like in a Florida or something like that. So that's kind of my keep it natural. If you gotta go darker, go darker, or go extreme
0: opposite and have something methylate. Well, great great advice on color. We're moving to Chickamauga is this going to be a uh, drew cook number two? Are we going to be bed fishing up there again? Is this, it could, it, is it possible? Could it happen again? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It is definitely possible. Um, you know, the only thing that that would hurt uh, is the lake won't be at full pool, pool. You know, it'll still be low. They don't, they don't bring that lake to full pool, pool until I think the first weekend in May. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, it'll, there'll be a, a lot of the upper lake will be able to be sight fished, but you know, a lot of that lower lake, they will still be fish on, on dead, but you know, if it actually is, you know, rising, it'll get a lot harder to see. them. I will definitely be putting lineups on the beds that I found down the lake, um, in practice, you know, getting, marking something on the bank and, you know, having a, a good lineup to where I don't have to see the beds to fish for them. Cause if the water th- comes up six inches every day, by the time the tournament rolls around, you know, you probably won't be able to see it.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think they have hyacinths there.
2: Uh, no, no hyacinths, but you just use <laughs> something off the bank, you know, triangulate <laughs> something uh, just yep. like we, we all used to do before we had GPS. I mean, I grew up fishing on a lake where you, mm-hmm. you, you had to have somewhere where there was a flagpole and a, a different colored dock, So you could line everything up with the tallest pine tree. Um, that's kind of how I grew up fishing. It's a wonder that we ever caught bass like then. Now I have live scope and I pull up there and I make the exact pinpoint cast. I was just kind of aimlessly throwing around until I got one to bite back then.
0: I think the fish were a little dumber back then as well. Yeah. Well, I see a question that I want to ask is: We didn't talk about this. Uh, Team No Fish, talk about uh, scents in your bed fishing. Does it matter to you? So uh, I did catch two bass
2: this week on a, uh, on a wacky rig and I was using the new big bite baits. It's called sensation. Um, It's their five inch trick Mm. stick. They got a new formula. They're coming out with a whole line of baits in it. And uh, it, 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 I have 100% seen a difference with those baits and I've actually got a signature bait coming out. Then it's called the, the quarantine crawl. Came up with it during COVID. But it, uh, it's going to have That's- a lot of tendencies that this does, but a lot of new things about it. Um, I believe it's going to be like the best of both worlds for a, a jack-of-all-trades bait. Um, but, yes, the the scent, I, I it does not hurt. And if anything, it might, you know, help one hold on to it longer and not just grab it and spit it out, um, which happens a lot. You know, if you can get one to – hold on to it and swim it off the bed you know the probability of you hooking it and getting it in the boat is is way better
0: well i got i got a i got one last question um what's your schedule looking like this week or next because we're bash you is coming down and we want to work with you somewhere where there's a spawning fish on the bed this week's pretty packed i've got uh I'm
2: pretty much got three days of of uh solid interviews and podcasts and I'm actually fishing the open. So I'm leaving on Sunday morning to go to Cherokee for the, the second Southern open. Um, so hopefully we can keep the ball rolling and, and make the classic real quick
0: and then worry about getting that AOI. Man. Well, you, you know, you're amazing at sight fishing, but your stats show that you're extremely uh, more versatile than that you you know you're top 10 top 20 every year in aoy so uh you know i i think honestly once you get one of those blue trophies the the odds of you getting another blue trophy go up dramatically so we're we're excited for you and looking for some great things for you in this rest of this season
2: well i appreciate it and you can't get number two till you get number one so oh, that's right <laughs> i'm glad we finally finally got it got it done uh, got the monkey off our back and i'm glad we got to do it how we did it how i love to do it and to crack a century belt and wire to wire at the same time it was like the perfect storm
0: 105 pounds we were, i we they were talking on the air and we were trying to figure out is anybody else sight fished wire to wire and i know dean rojas did it like back in the 1700s and um but you did it again, wire to wire. It's very, very rare, uh, you know, to do that. So that that's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, and, um, God, what's his name? He won Santee Cooper in
2: 2006. Clark. He won wire to wire. Yeah, he won wire to wire. Saturday.
0: Preston
1: Clark.
2: Yep. yep. Preston Clark, St. John's River.
1: Drew, yeah. when is the Cutline episode coming out for this tournament? Because there's a lot of people waiting for it.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> I mean, it, it it we got a lot of really good stuff and you know, it, it got practice and all that stuff in there so you were able to see you know how we how we me and Benton both broke it down um and how we divided and conquered and how we how we went about the practice. I believe Scott's probably going to have it done. Um hopefully it got pushed back until Monday, so there was a lot of a lot of stuff that got got pushed back, but hopefully we can have it, you know, by the middle of next week um, awesome. up there. You know, we we still got we've got the first three so far up there. So if you haven't been on there yet, you know, go to YouTube, go to the Cutline, watch me and Drew Benton. Um, you know, this is something that 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 we do, and it's still we're still paying for it. You know, it's not a uh, it's not paid for. It's it's but we do it because we feel like. You know this this is something that i i would love to see in youtube especially whenever i first started fishing i would love to see videos like this um just kind of you know breaking it down how we how we work as a team to to fish for a living what it's like um you know and it's got the highs the lows and everything in there because you know there is lows with the highs and highs with the lows and we've had both of that this year um and we're three for three for top 10 so far in the elite series um, between me and Ben. The Drew crew has, has had a really good start to the year. we both got two top tens so far and
0: looking to keep, keep it rolling. Yep. That, Drew Benton, shout out to Drew Benton for an amazing uh, tournament as well. at Santee Cooper. And we'll, we'll look for, for the next episode, drop it on Monday. And uh, man, thanks so much uh, for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. I know you're swamped. But uh, it was awesome. Awesome seminar, by the way, is dropping on Thursday. If you have not subscribed to Bass University TV, go get yourself over there, because what we talked about is just the tip of the iceberg on on what Drew unlocks in the sight fishing world. So uh, thanks so much, man. And uh, congratulations again on on an amazing win and and a great champion. Thanks so much for being with us, buddy hey thank
2: you all and yeah that that new seminar that's coming out all the everything spilled and i spilled all the beans in it and if you got to watch this past week um it go down on bass live you're really going to want to watch that seminar and when you put both of those together it's going to help tremendously
0: awesome awesome thanks again good luck at, at the chick we will see you down there and uh and appreciate you being with us tonight great drew cook the champ. Yeah. Thank y'all. I appreciate champ, it. Champ, champ, big blue. <laughs> we need some blue trophies. I only have old brown trophies back there, Riz. You know? Still trophies. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll take them. We'll take them for sure. But uh, That's right, guys, we're we're gonna we're gonna take a, a commercial break and uh we're gonna come back with some more bash you live and wrap it up and uh and and uh, hang out with you guys for just a little while longer so we're going to be right back after this commercial break moment on the water not spent fishing is a moment wasted that's why minn Kota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the one boat network products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together the one boat network will help you find get to stay on and catch more fish when one boat network products talk to each other they can navigate your boat automatically they can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires and they can let you lower raise and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat but that's just the beginning we're never done innovating integrating and making your boat simpler and easier to control all so you can make every second on the water count. Welcome back to uh, to Bass University Live from Tackle Direct Studios. Uh, gosh almighty, I mean, an immense amount of knowledge on sight fishing, uh, Alex. I think I'm going to have to start getting better at it.
3: That was really good. That's definitely one I want to go watch back, and I'm definitely excited for Thursday now to see the classroom seminar come out about it because I know I learned a lot from that, and I'm sure you know there's only there's only more and more to learn. It's, it's such a niche little time of the year, but it can be so important when it's in play, and obviously it can can catch you some big checks like Drew did this week. It it I remember, um, you know, in the early
0: part of my career out on the Bassmasters, I would run from the spawning fish. Like I would run to the cold water, look for the pre-spawners. Or if it was later in the season, I'd run for the the post spawners. But I quickly got my teeth kicked in by the 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 guys that would bed down. And uh, you know, the Shaw Grigsby was, you know, he led the charge. And uh so many guys from the West Coast, like Amart, who got mentioned tonight, R.I.P. Our friend, and um, you know, we uh so many guys are really, really talented at that, that you, if you're a tournament guy, Riz, you've got to, you got to take up the the charge, man. Mm -hmm. You cannot sight fishing go by.
1: Yeah. I mean, Pete, I'm, I'm personally, I love it. You know, I, I I enjoy sight fishing. I, I can't say that I've ever had, I've never fished a full tournament doing nothing but sight fishing. I mean, I've, I've caught Mm -hmm. fish sight fishing during tournaments, but, um, I I, I I do enjoy it though. Um, you know, the the mind game that you gotta that you gotta play against the fish is uh is definitely a fun one. Um, you know, we don't get to do it a ton up here. Uh obviously if you live in Florida you get to do it a lot more, but it's uh it's a fun so deal. Fast,
0: you know, it's like our season is like as soon as it's here, it's gone.
1: Yeah. Yep. Happens. And, and happens like true
0: yeah the guys down in, in georgia and, and south and florida i mean they get to do it for five months a year mm-hmm. uh and you know if you love it i mean that's half of your year sight fishing my gosh no wonder he's so good right you yeah. know yeah that's crazy you know I, i'm hoping to get a good weekend where the weather's nice and they're and they're spawning and you can go practice it and you the know? water's
3: not dirty and yeah and the wind's not blowing 20 you know there's
1: (laughs) There's
0: a lot of things that got to get
1: lined up in order for it to happen but when it does when when those conditions line up man if you have the opportunity to do it do it it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun way to catch them it may be uh yeah whatever we're plucking them off the beds you know pulling them away from their nests but it's uh it's part of the sport and it's it's a it's a fun way to catch some really really big fish and it You feel a different type of way, Pete, when you, when you yank a five pounder off a bed that you had to sit there and work on for an hour, you know, it's a, it's a different sense of accomplishment when you finally get your hands on that fish.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is a sense of accomplishment that I have not experienced because (laughs) I, I start getting into about 30 minutes. I get so itchy. I just, it's like, oh man, I just have a hard time, hard time doing it. But you know what? I do love to do it when I'm just out observing. Like if I'm out just fun fishing right. and goofing around, man, I do, I, I I can put the raptors down and just just watch the fish behave and uh, and look at it. It's, it's a lot of fun that way. Mm-hmm. But in tournaments, the pressure just starts ratcheting up. And, you know, it's, it's funny, all the lessons that I've learned that, that drew flies in the face of like, all right, throw it, throw a job shot, rotate, uh, through bait, give them a different look, see right. what they respond to. All that stuff is just out the window. It's, it's not about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more about finding the spot on the bed with a tool that works and, and just being persistent. That's right. You and know,
1: you know, it's, it's going to be hard to argue with his approach now. You know, he just cracked 105 pounds over the course of four days doing it. So, <laughs> it's going to be a tough thing to say. Of nah, you're doing it wrong. Well, uh, Drew Benton obviously just showed that there's there's a way to do it. And the uh, man, so much good stuff in that interview, Pete. Like the like the putting markers on beds from far away, tying hyacinths yep. to to uh, to braid, and putting weights down on the bottom. Like that stuff is so sneaky. Like. <laughs> You know?
0: It's unbelievable. I know, I know. It it really is, and and to listen to um to to Drew with his waypoint management mm-hmm. and does it. Uh, that's all he covers. All that in his seminar, Bashu, um, how how to triangulate, how to you know how how to jump the fish, which was amazing. Here's one of the neat things. Remember this uh, uh, when we were talking to these guys on a previous show about harassing the fish the night before the tournament you remember that yep yep getting them getting them fired up getting them ready to go getting so them that trained you the day first cast boom
1: first first flip yeah that was the first time we had the drew crew on with yep. us they uh they were talking about their approach to just getting them all primed up and ready so as soon as you pull in their first flip first flip they go but i guess you got to hope that uh that a local boat doesn't pull in behind you and pluck a seven and a half off the bed when you're, when you're not there, you know, could you imagine Pete, yep. you're, you're in a, you're in the the biggest bass tournament, biggest stage, biggest, biggest, everything of your life. And you got to worry about local boats coming in behind you and plucking the fish that you spent all that yep. time getting ready, getting right to, uh,
0: to be caught the next day. Oh, can you, Matt, like you, you brought it up, man. And that was good point. And I appreciate that Drew didn't want to dive into that, but to be sitting there on the day that it was canceled and watch all everybody else go out and fish and Jack those fish right in your cove. Yep. You know? Yeah. Oh man. I might, I might be, you know, I might say, I'm not going to go fish there tomorrow. You know, like I might make that decision and that wouldn't have been the right decision, man. He, he just, he just said they're coming they're on the come they're, they're populating this area uh, I don't care what they caught I'm gonna I'm gonna come in right behind them and catch them you know yeah that, that, that was that was impressive yeah, you something,
1: know something that really blew my hair back in the uh, in the interview too. Pete was the uh, how much he talked about how those areas were were repopulating with fish and how close the beds were stacked in together and you know he He said something key in there, how far the deep water made it back into those pockets. And, you know, that that might have been something key of why there was, you know, numbers of fish spawning in these certain pockets was based on, you know, the deep water reaching a certain point, getting into the backs of the pockets or the ditch, whatever you want to call it, Um, you know, giving those fish, ample space to slide up and slide down and adjust to the changing weather conditions. Cause like you said, you know, uh, first day of practice or second day of practice or whatever, it was 20 degrees when they, when they took off to practice. So, you know, damn well, those fish that he's catching in the tournament off beds, they weren't on beds when it was 20 degrees. So having that, you know, ample amount of deep water access close to those spawning areas, you know, that, that's, that could have been key on, on why there was those bigger groups of fish, bigger, you know, more numbers in certain areas. I'm sure, I'm sure other pockets that were shallow that, you know, didn't have as much deep water access, they might've had fish spawning in them, but how many more can populate an area when there's more deep water access leading further back into that pocket? You know, it just little, little, little stuff like that, that, that really, uh, really stood yeah. out to me there on, on why. He might have had more fish at his disposal than other guys.
0: Yeah, and it did, and and, uh, and he stuck with it. He had some other places he didn't go to, and and we are at the precipice of forward-facing sonar, yep. and you know it's already being done. It's it, it I, I mean, he's already done well in tournaments. It's how long has this been being done, and we've not heard about it or dealt with it yet, but. Here it comes. Yep. You know. Spawning off the live scope. Why not? Why not? I mean, to be able to look at him and see how they're reacting to your bait, see the bed, see your bait in the bed. Uh oh my gosh. You know, no, no question. Uh that that it's uh it's coming. It's coming. And and they talked about it on Bassmaster, and I agree you know sooner or later we're going to be dealing with situations where you know if you're if you're fishing for fish like that whether you're on beds or you're whisk using a jerk bait and snagging them are those fish going to have to be hooked in the mouth um i think that rule i think that ruling's coming right uh lisa and the Bassmaster crew i'm sure are wrestling with that right now but and, i mean uh, how many
1: how many fish over the years have Have you caught on a trap or a jerkbait or a crankbait or whatever that are hooked outside of the mouth before forward facing sonar, just simply because they're reacting to the bait and they might not be getting it all the way. They just take a swipe at it and those treble hooks hang them just on the outside of the mouth. Yeah, exactly. You know, it it, It happens all the
0: time, except for me. I always hook them in the mouth. Always
1: perfect. And the the bait's always just absolutely gutted. (laughs) Perfect color perfect line size retrieve everything (laughs) was just dialed in you know (laughs)
0: Uh, see i'm the opposite
1: pete that never happens for for me and treble hook baits me and treble hook baits. there's always one little (laughs) tiny hook just kind of hanging there in the corner of their mouth
0: (laughs) yeah hey you know speaking of that um the the kufal who was uh spinnerbait fishing did you see the monsters that he was putting in the boat on the trailer hook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about, how about that, man? That was, um, uh, you know, we went through this trailer hook phase where it seemed like everybody was throwing it. Then Jason Christie came out. Of course, shout out to Jason Christie for winning the classic, by the way, we, yeah. we didn't crash that on tonight's show, but, um, he came out with using the, the big swim bay trailers. Doesn't use, I, at least that's what I remember who, started changing this away from trailer hooks and he he come Kufal comes out and uses a trailer hook and those fish come and they had to be betting fish right or real close to it i i'm I'm guessing they were betting and uh he was getting them to react and he was catching some of them on that trailer hook it's like all right i'm putting trailer hooks back in my terminal tackle box for sure it's over yeah they're going back you know
3: those are always a funny one you know for every 10 champion anglers you can think of that use one. there's 10 champion anglers that say you better not have those things anywhere near your boat it's always a (laughs) interesting argument with those but you know when you work when they work they work and when they don't i guess you never hear about those stories
0: (laughs) yeah well i guess the the thing is yeah right they they hang up especially when you're coming through cypress knees or brush piles or blow down trees that trailer hook can you know, impact your ability to get through the habitat.
1: VMC uh, makes a good one that, that doesn't, that I've found doesn't hang as much. It's the one with the surgical tube over the eyelet, And so the surgical tube actually, it, you know, it gives some resistance. So it kind of holds it in the spot that you want it. And I mean, every now and then you will have to adjust it, but it holds it there pretty good. That's the one that if I'm throwing one, that's the one I'm throwing. And it's, uh it it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's done me pretty, pretty good as far as not being a hang up you know but i don't use it all the time and i need to like just this weekend like i i was catching some fish on a spinnerbait and after i was catching the fish on the spinnerbait next few casts i felt like i'm getting you know bites sometimes you feel like they're just you know not getting it they're just kind of pushing it or whatever and i didn't have a trailer hook on there and i'm just being too lazy to reach down in the box and put another one on it that could have been two or three more fish in the boat you know just if i would have had yep. a trailer hook on there so it's almost like you got to have them if you're
0: throwing a spinnerbait you got to have them ready to go cuz
1: like it, it, it can be the difference
0: and i know i got i just put some vmcs with that surgical tube i've never liked the surgical tubing because i it always kicks out to the side on me on cast oh. and makes the spinnerbait run sideways and i it's just a noise so i i like i always take that same hook and i just rig it so that 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 vmc hook's floating back there and uh i like that a, a lot better uh and i have caught gotcha. big ones on it but it's man it's just a give and take man you're gonna you're gonna hang up more but man when you get those fish swiping at it you're gonna catch them um so it's a it's a it's a tricky one and with spots and smallmouth i that is one i've never given up on the trailer hook there always uh on the, when i'm fishing spinner baits high up in the water column burning it uh always having a trailer hook uh when i'm fishing for those species but uh riz what, what do we got going on we got a uh, facebook like and share with us. we got oh, we got we got some cool stuff to give away yeah so
1: we uh we have a uh a facebook like and share uh i'll go ahead and get that queued up but while i'm getting that queued up alex we have uh we have the grand prize we're gonna we're gonna do a little trivia action uh that we uh picked on uh, a little earlier in the show alex if you want to uh Get that out there, I'll, I'll get the uh, Facebook like and share queued up here.
3: That sounds great. Yeah, so, guys, for our grand prize trivia tonight, we're giving away the, a pair of the new Hank Cherry Signature Series Hobie Eyewear Sunglasses. You'll be able to choose from either the Bluefin float model or the Mojo float model. Hank's got a great new pair of sunglasses out with Hobie. So, whoever gets this question correct first will be the lucky, lucky winner. And so, the question that we're going to go with lucky tonight enough. is lucky lucky winner so the question we're going to go to tonight is something that drew cook mentioned a little earlier and the question is what brand of push pole was drew cook using when he was sliding in and out of the spawning area so you get that brand in the first one will be the winner here that is i i don't know what the well i say i don't know what the brand is i have that exact push
0: pole. i can't remember the name of the brand but everybody was using that exact push pole out there uh you know out there in this event and it's it's just such a great one it breaks down into two pieces it's strong it's it's uh it's fiberglass it's it's a powerful weapon and it and you can stick it in the in the dirt too to stop your traction uh you know stop your movement forward you know so that's a that's a great great weapon you gotta have it you gotta have it you know that's an interesting thing about the um, Santee Cooper, which is really unique. And I know everybody now wants to go to Santee Cooper, and and you should. It's an it's an amazing place, but they have acres and acres of water that's like one to two and a half feet deep, and it's just forever. Riz, it's like it's like the flats that we fish, yep. except except the the water is really it's it's like a foot shallower and the water's really really clear right and those places it goes on for miles like just forever and it's such an unusual thing to see where those big giant like eight ten pounders will come up and they'll be in water that's six inches deep it's crazy and it is they'll put their beds down there and uh it's insane it was interesting because uh, Davy Height was talking about it when we had him on. The importance of the rising and falling water. Uh, when the water rises, those big ones get comfortable and they dump, they occupy those flats. Right. And when and when the wind changes or rain or whatever causes them to lower, even if they lower that lake level just an inch or two um it causes them to evacuate the flats so it's really really temperamental mm. but amazing fishery yeah. giants
1: it, it looks like a really fun place to fish i mean that's you know just from watching live like all the different ways guys are catching them it's like it's kind of pretty much like all the stuff we do around the house here a good bit whether it's fishing flats mm. or whether it's you know flipping around you know cover and it's the, it's the way everybody who everybody who cuts their teeth fish in large mouth, it, it's it's all the ways we we all like to catch them, you know, is is what it looks like. Yep. so definitely, yeah. definitely on my bucket list to go there. i've I've driven over it so many times, you know, just you know, making the run south, whether it's to Georgia Florida, parts of South Carolina. You know, you cross right over it and you see the sign that with the giant striper and it says not actual size. And I think that's on Marion where where you cross <laughs> over there or. Yeah, it's one of them. But you cross you cross right over, um, you know, the, the the lake there and uh, definitely on, on the bucket list. Next time I drive over and there's a boat hooked up to my truck, I'm not driving over it. I'm
0: stopping. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. you definitely got to stop. Do we not have
3: a winner yet, Alex? We sure do, Pete. This one didn't take very long. It's not the record because it was not the first question, but it was the second answer, and I got it right. So our winner of the Hank Cherry Sunglasses was none other than Frank with the correct guess of the Super Stick. So, Frank, congratulations. We'll get those all situated out for you, and you'll probably be receiving an email soon. But congratulations on that win with the correct answer of the Super Stick. That's right. What a what a win, Frank.
0: We're, we're probably going to send you that prize. Yeah. You
1: know. Well, wait, wait. if your <laughs> email's months. active,
3: Bud, we're going to make sure you're taken care of.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, you got, got an email, we, right, we Alex?
3: Got... Sure thing. All I right. got them. We got a new system for that. I think it's going to be a lot better. So we got them already over to the people that need them. So I think we're going to be a lot quicker with that. Hopefully, here in the near future.
1: Funny, funny story. Just a little bit of a comic relief in this moment here from the classic. So uh, and this is back in the Ike Live days. Somebody came up to uh, Miss Janet at the classic and they said that they never, never received their Ike Live gift bag. And, of course, me, I'm on the sales floor for BU, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's probably, it was probably me back in, you know, whenever one of the last, like, live shows I was on person never got their bag. And then they said the date of when the show was, and I'm going through it in my head, and I'm like, wait, that wasn't me. Yes! <laughs> I'm out of the woods on this one, so. <laughs> we we do we do our best. But, Frank, you are getting those sunglasses, man. You, an email is going to be headed your way.
0: Dude. At the, these are amazing sunglasses these are my hobies, and, and i love them to death and uh you're gonna like yours uh hanks are uh amazing amazing color combo and uh at, by the way hank is going to be on uh next week and uh talking talking about that and everything else in hanks world a uh, two-time classic champ is going to be with us next tuesday night at 7 p.m so uh so hang in there for that. And we look forward to talking to him. Uh, we were, you know, we were all amazed or hopeful for a three-peat. That would have been the first time ever. And uh, didn't, didn't quite pull that off. But uh, it was cool that, that you're in a position to do that. Nobody else has ever done it. And uh, love Hank. He's practicing baseball his boys taking batting practice tonight. So uh, we look forward to having them next Tuesday night.
1: We'll catch up with him. Hank's always a a fun one to talk to.
0: Absolutely. We got a Facebook like and share, Riz? Yeah,
1: we do. The uh, Facebook like and share is uh, Adam Clark tuning in from the great state of Georgia. Uh, Thanks for watching tonight, man. You got a $50 uh, prize pack coming your way from all of our awesome sponsors here at the Bash University.
0: Awesome. Awesome, guys. Springtime is here. It's coming everywhere except Alex's house. It's not going to be there for about three months, but, uh, you know, it's it's good.
1: He gets some spring in Indiana. It's Ohio. They never get spring. Ohio, it's just 58 degrees and raining 12 months out of the year, 365 days. (laughs) <laughs> Alex sees is on a little bit in Indiana. Yeah, we're
3: getting teased now. It's like during the week, it's perfect weather. And then this weekend, it's like a high of 40 and rainy and windy all weekend. Mm-hmm. So I don't – one of these days it'll line up where we can get out there on the water on the weekend for a nice day. But it's not too far away. It's getting there. It's very, very close.
0: I know it's close for us. I will be in yeah. action uh, for the first time uh, down at the James River uh, coming up in – man, it's hard to believe, but just a couple weeks – uh, i'll be down there for the bass open uh taking place down there riz you're you're already breaking that bass caddy and you've been out quite a few times already this year
1: yeah i've been tapping into them a little bit pete this past weekend got to uh got to spend some time uh on the flats kind of getting getting things going seeing what's going on out there it's been uh it's been pretty good for anybody that's uh you know local to our area things are starting to happen the, the water temperatures are are moving in the right direction we've had some stable weather uh which you know for our home our home system is always a good thing uh you know stability in that water and the temperatures rising but more importantly not having the dam flushing flushing things out too bad uh we haven't really had that yet so it's stable um it's looking like uh early next week sunday monday we're going to get a couple of cold nights that are probably going to knock them back just just a little bit but it's uh it's appearing to be some, you know, relatively stable and warming conditions after that. So, um, you know, it's it's starting to happen. Uh, Chesapeake Bay, Delaware River, it should all be uh, starting to fire. If you want some on water training, hit up the dean. He uh, he'll be active very soon. Uh, I presume, Pete, you'll you'll be you'll have trips going
0: on. what What's that? Mid mid April or? Yeah, we wish. I usually start those about April and uh, we've got all we've got Bashiu instructors uh that are avail- available at the com. so no matter where you are in the country uh go check it out and uh you know we've got some guys that can take you out and um and and help you no matter what part of the country that you're in and we've got a lot more coming and um we got a great year ahead of us and I want to wish you guys the best fishing. Don't forget to check out Drew Cook's yeah. uh, uh seminar coming up on Thursday. And of course we have an Ike Live show on uh Saturday night. So look for that coming too. And uh we're gonna be right back here next week with another episode of Bash University Live. So come and hang out with us. But in the meantime, watch that Drew Cook seminar, man I'm telling you right now, it's gonna change the way you think yep. about Fish. pete arguably sure.
1: one of the best bass seminars we've
0: ever filmed uh arguably yeah, yeah it's, in, it's it's in the running as far as there. i'm concerned because you know i call i call them blow your hair back moments when i hear something mm-hmm. that is revolutionary or something i've not heard before or thinking about fishing in a way that i've never heard anybody else speak about and i felt that way so often during drew cook's interpretation of of bedding fish how they behave why they react what they're doing how to better catch them um there's a lot there i guess
1: waypoint management how to break down a bed just i mean freaking everything it's it's so good it's it's worth that that's one of those ones that like there's so many on our website that are worth the subscription in and of themselves that you'll watch multiple times and every time Mm -hmm. you watch it you're going to learn something new it's it's that kind of caliber information. So, you know, guys, if you're if you're still tuned in right now on Facebook and, and whatever, and you're not <laughs> a bash university TV subscriber, you really do need to sign up. Like the if, if you're if you're a fisherman and you want to improve your skills, you want to catch more fish, you know, this isn't a sales bug, this is real talk. Commit to us for 30 days, right? Use your code BU Live30. <laughs> Yeah, or, or 50 days, you know, you can still use a yep. 50 day free trial. But if you're watching this down the road, um, you know, where you listen to us on the podcast, I know a lot of guys listen to our show post production on podcast. If you're ever interested in joining the program, this code is always active for you guys as podcast listeners, use the code BULive30. And you're going to get to try out the program for at least 30 days for free. And here's my here, here's my my ask. Try us out for for at least seven after you take your trial. Commit to it. Watch a seminar a night. And if you aren't learning something from Bass Shoe TV, you don't have your ears turned on because there's there's so much great information in there to help you catch fish from A to Z. Whatever it is you want to learn about, we got you.
0: Well, wow, that's the thank that's great, you know, what testament Riz and and I appreciate it. And we that's the way we built it, guys. We want you to come over and we want to help you become better anglers. And uh And want to thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, Thank you, Alex. It was great to see you again. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you uh, again at at one of the upcoming events. I hope so.
3: Yeah, it was a great show tonight. Definitely going to listen back to this one. And, yeah, hopefully I'll do my best to get out to any event that I can throughout the rest of the year and look forward to being on next week with you guys.
0: Awesome. Well, we will definitely see you there. And, uh, Riz, thanks so much. You, You held the fort down, BTC. Hope you're doing well. We miss you. Hope to see you back here soon. And uh and we are gonna be back next week, 7 p.m. Tuesday with another Bash University Live. So check out Drew Cook Seminar, guys. <laughs> we will see you next week. I'm Pete Kluzak for Bash University. Have a great night, everybody.